Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Scaling faster, it just makes more sense to take on the economies of scale. Using cost segregations gives you more tax benefits, and there's plenty of other reasons, but going bigger faster. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Dante Belmonte. Dante is joining us from Syracuse, New York. He is the managing partner at Victory Capital Group, which acquires and operates multifamily properties in North Carolina. Dante's portfolio consists of three syndications totaling 100 units, and he is an LP on 1,200 units. Dante, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Ash, thank you so much for having me here. I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk with your audience and hopefully add some value to them. It's our pleasure for having you. Dante, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So my name is Dante Belmonte out of Syracuse, New York, 24 years old right now, married to my wife, Madeline, and our seven-month-old daughter, Margot. And started out with real estate brokerage about four years ago, selling multifamily properties in Syracuse, New York, central New York, and now moving on to syndications in the North Carolina region. And I'm excited to talk to that with your listeners today. 
Obvious question, Dante, why North Carolina? So I get this question a lot because people are like, you're a broker. Don't you have good deal flow, good connections at home? And the answer is yes. But down South, we look for population growth, job growth, income growth. And North Carolina checks a lot of those boxes. You don't have harsh winters. You have newer construction build properties. There's a lot of fundamentals. Happy to get into them today about why we chose North Carolina versus a state or a city I already had good relationships in. Let me play devil's advocate. So why not go to Georgia or South Carolina or Tennessee? My partner and I, we did a lot of research on a lot of those areas. And the North Carolina, specifically the Charlotte MSA, is throwing off some of the best numbers. A lot of people, they say the Southeast region, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, like you said, North Carolina. But the second factor that was really a deciding factor as well to finalize was my partners located in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we already had a boots on the ground. I do a lot of the remote work remotely, a lot of the work, but I can send him out as boots on the ground for property tours, inspections, construction management, all that good stuff. And how do you find deals today? Because it's very competitive down there. Yeah, it is super competitive, but now that we've closed a few deals, have built the track record, we're very honest with the brokers. The brokers are bringing us deals directly. So today we just closed a deal right outside of Charlotte in Hickory, North Carolina, and that was 100% off market. It was a brokerage that we did work with before. They knew we could close. So they brought two guys to the deal. We were one of them, and we actually offered a little bit less, but we were doing a 30-day close. And they were very happy with that. They knew our track record. So we were awarded that deal. All right. So a 30-day close, how are you going to pull that off? Did you have financing lined up ahead of time? In today's rate environment, you have to move quickly in order to get that rate lock, so to speak. So we closed the deal two months ago with this lender that we just closed the deal with today. So we already had the systems, the processes in place. We knew the team. So we put the property under contract. We did due diligence the day we put the property under contract, the physical due diligence that is. Did the lease file audit over the next week. Lender already had our PFS, REO, all that good stuff. So we were able to move very quickly and we did our capital raise in less than a week. We oversubscribed the offering. Our legal team is great and we got everything in actually three days early. So that makes it 27 days that we were able to close on this property as we went under contract. Dante, can we dive into the numbers on that? 100 units off market. What's the purchase price? That one alone was 44 units. So purchase price on that was 3.95 million. So about 89,000 a door. Just to describe the property a little bit, it's a five-story, has a pool, has solar panels on the roof, has a laundry facility on each of the floors and an elevator. So it's a pretty sharp building. Very excited for this project. And what's your play with that? Is it renovations, increasing rents? This one's a little bit more unique. So usually when we buy a property, traditionally, we put a bunch of capital in, renovate the units, raise the rents. This property, we do still plan to put capital into it. But the nice thing is this mom and pop owner, they've owned it for 10 years. Their only piece of property they own, they're looking to exit and move out of the country. So they've renovated the units, but they haven't recognized the market rent. They've used a mom and pop property manager as well. It's a lady who lives on the property for free and that's her compensation. So rents are 200 to $300 below market. A majority of the interiors are renovated. So this is more of a management play. We come in, we put a professional third-party property management in place. We align the rents with market, but at the same time, we're still getting a new awning, new signage, power washing the exterior and the hallway and the pool area, new pool furniture. And they also were using a unit as a storage unit. 
So we're going to take that stuff out. We're going to get that unit online and that'll bring in another $850 of income per month. So not a super unique play, not reinventing the wheel, but something that's not as heavy as a lift because we're not doing these massive renovations. Yeah. This seems like the ideal property that everybody's chasing. How did you get the broker to present this to you amongst yes. the sea of other people that would have wanted it? Kind of like what we were talking about before, we've built relationships with these brokers. We've already done transactions with them, so they know we can close. We don't retrade on assets. So what we go under contract for, after we do due diligence, we don't play any games. We're good to go. Unless the place is falling apart, that's a different story. So we had a strong deposit. We had a strong timeline as well. And the other individual that offered on the property, they were a touch more in price, about 300000 but they were going to do a 60-day close. So we split that in half. And again, we had that track record, that relationship, and the broker knew us. The sellers were very skittish. They didn't want to put it on the market. They didn't want to alarm tenants, alarm the property manager until they got to that stage. So we were a perfect candidate to take down this asset. What are you going to use for property management or who are you going to use? Not specifically uh, okay. a name, but are you just going to have a local property manager handle this one? Yeah. So a local property manager, we haven't done any projects with in this region, but we're very familiar with. They're referred to us on multiple occasions. So there's a leasing office there. They're going to operate out of that part of the week, but the property isn't big enough to support a full payroll. So it is a percentage of gross collected rents and then all the maintenance fees that get pushed through to us. So we're going to have a maintenance guy on site. The payroll in that aspect can support it, but it can't support a full-time individual that will be on the property, but we're very comfortable with what we have in the works here. Dante, out of curiosity, you're going to employ the maintenance person? Yes. It's an individual who will be able to work on just about a full-time basis for a flat fee per week. So it's like they're just going to a regular job. They're going to check the laundry facilities, clean the pool any repairs or maintenance that we have on the property, they'll be able to take care of with that. And how does the PM company make money off of maintenance requests? So the maintenance individual goes through them. So the full cost doesn't go directly to that individual. So the maintenance isn't really how they're making too much of their money. It's more of managing the property, collecting the rents. And then I believe it's 50 or $100 on renewals and new leases that they're also taking so they can make a little bit of money that way. Certainly not a cash cow for them, but it helps them build a relationship with us and get some more units in this market. Sure. And what's the percentage of gross rents they get? We're doing four and a half percent on this property. And is that typical in the area? It is pretty typical. We had some other offers at anywhere from that four and a half, a little bit lower up to 7%. So it's very typical. You obviously never take the lowest bid you kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle in this group we were very comfortable with. How many years do you plan on holding this property? The business plan is four to six years. So we did take it down with bridge debt, which gives us a four-year term. Our plan is to refinance it in year two using very conservative approaches on underwriting. We could certainly talk about that. So four to six years on that business plan, but you never know. The market shifts. Sometimes A project we only had six months for, we got an offer 40% more than we bought it for, and they were assuming the debt. So no prepayment penalty, it all made sense. Can we dive into the bridge debt? Is it, if you refi in two years, is that a rate that you know today, or are you at the mercy of the market? A lot of people are going to be left holding the bag essentially with the rates they've predicted to stay low around three and 4% and over leveraged or taking on floating debt. So what we've done is we've worked with this bridge debt lender before, this debt fund. 
We just closed a loan with them two months ago, like I described. So we're very familiar with them. So we took on a fixed rate with a two-year term with two two-year extensions. So this gives us what I call multiple exit strategies. So there's no prepayment penalty after 12 months. It's one and a half percent in, zero percent out, no prepayment penalty after 12 months. So this gives us three exit opportunities every year. So year one, we're implementing the business plan. We have no plans of exiting. Year two, we can hold the debt in place. It's fixed and we have it for three more years. We could sell the asset because the prepayment penalty is gone, or we can refinance the asset because there's no more prepayment penalty. Year three, we have three exit strategies we can utilize as well. Year four, three exit strategies with the exception of the end of the year. Now we are in the position where we have to refinance or sell. And we typically won't wait until that last year. The business plan is to refinance in year two. And we've underwritten very high interest rates of towards seven and eight percent with only 65% loan to cost based on a very high cap rate in this market. So we feel on all those levers we've pulled on the refinance that if one of them is a little better than we predicted, we should be in a good standpoint where the debt will make sense and we'll still be able to execute on the business plan. We'll get back to the show with a first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So you've essentially stress test your model. Exactly. And yep. you're not banking on rates coming down at some point. You're not banking on cap rates continuing to compress. Are bridge loans typically transferable or no? To my knowledge, they're not assumable. Okay. More like the Freddie and Fannie debt. We have a Fannie SBL loan, or I think it's Freddie actually, SBL loan, and our buyer is assuming the debt. So we have no prepayment penalty. We typically have 5%, but now we have zero and they're covering the 1% of the prepayment. So with the bridge debt, to my knowledge, it's not assumable. It's pretty short-term debt anyways, so we wouldn't really have it within question, but certainly a, a good question. Dante, you're still a broker up in Syracuse. Right? Yes. Yep. That's correct. When you find deals up there that cash flow very well, are you tempted to take them down or do you take them down? I work with small multifamily. 
two to eight units. That's my specialty niche. I finished number one in the county last year for multifamily sales in that unit count. So I have a lot of deal flow, but I've got a great backend of clients that I can supply those deals to. And sometimes I have to be very disciplined where I have to say, hey, that's a great deal, but that's not where the long-term focus is. I don't want to tie up my capital in these older 1800, early 1900 properties when I've got phenomenal opportunities down South. And I want to also put my capital there. So we have skin in the game. I don't want to tie up too much capital here and just do a hundred percent capital raise down South. I want to be able to show our investors. Yeah. I personally have a hundred, 200,000 in each of these deals. You guys are also putting capital with us on. So certainly making the balance there, utilizing the relationships, but being disciplined as well for the more long-term goal of having larger assets under one roof. That's why I originally sold all the duplexes, triplexes up here. Dante, back to the 44 units. How much was the raise? Again, the purchase price on that was what? 3.95 million. So you could call it 4 million if you'd like. What was the raise on that? So that was a $1.5 million raise. And that included down payment, acquisitions fee, reserves accounts, interest reserve account, partial rehab, because we only did 75% of the rehab and some other fees in there as well. So that's just under 40% raise? Yep, just under 40%. And we did that raise in less than a week. What is the return to investors on this deal? So the way we structured it was a 7% preferred return, 75-25 split, 75 going to the LPs, 25 to the GPs. And right now we're looking at roughly a 7 to 9% cash on cash return on an annual basis. And then you're looking at about an 18 to 20% average annual return. Once you account for the refinance, and the sale proceeds, not really the refinance as much because we don't count that return of capital as profit, but really those proceeds at sale, the profit on sale. So that's going to be about a 2x equity multiple when we award about 50% of the investor's capital back to them at the refinance that they can go put in another deal. Their capital is still working for them and their equity position is not diluted. And this is over a five-year anticipated hold? Yep. Five-year anticipated hold. We always work the model and stress test it, like you said, without doing the refinance. So what if we did no refinance and only held it for four years, what would those returns look like? And as long as it's the cash on cash is above seven on an average basis, the IRR is above 15, then we're happy to move forward knowing that, again, if we can't execute on the original business plan, we have a secondary plan in place. Dante, you're an LP on other people's deals as well? Yep. My partner and I, we've partnered on some LP deals across 1,200 units. Would you continue to do LP deals or are you solely focused on being a GP now? There's some deals that we've trickled into, but we're definitely focusing on being a GP in our deals. And we have to keep capital readily available because on these properties, we're putting dollars $200,000 into the property before it even closes for deposits, down payments, attorney retainer fees, whatever that is, lender fees. So we try to keep some capital readily available in the bank for the purpose of our projects. And then obviously personal funds, we keep available, emergency funds, all that fun stuff. Dante, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in real estate investing? Would be self-managing to professional managing. So early on in my career, I would self-manage when I had duplexes, triplexes. And in the book, Multifamily Millions by David Lindahl, He says it perfectly. He said, you're in the business to invest in real estate, not manage real estate. When you're physically managing the assets, you're too close. It's too personal. There's too many emotions in play. I never want to know a tenant exists and I don't want them to know I exist. I want to focus on managing the property manager, the asset itself, 
the deal finding, the capital raising. So once I got around from doing self-management, which was just a headache and a half, I always was scared when my phone would go off if it was a tenant or not needing something, putting that into someone else's hands made a huge difference in my business. And Dante, from your brokerage clients, what's the biggest mistake you see them making, whether it's on a purchase, a sale, or management? Probably on the purchase side, not doing enough due diligence. So they try to get really aggressive. And I can understand being aggressive in today's market, but either paying too much or not doing enough due diligence on the market of what they should be paying and the asset itself, not looking at too much, not paying too much attention when we're there. I think that will bite them in the butt. And I've seen it bite a few clients in the butt. When I go and I walk a client through, sometimes it's FaceTime because I have clients in Australia that buy in my market. Sometimes they're physically in person. I take time to go through and say, hey, let's check out the breakers. Let's check out the furnace, the hot water tanks. How's the foundation looking? Have you looked at the roof? And then a bunch of other little things, because these are things you need to pay attention to, to make sure you pay accordingly if it needs a new roof or if the furnaces are all shot and they need new furnaces. This is something that you need to pay attention to. And some clients just got too aggressive or too blindsided and just haven't done so even when I tell them to, and sometimes they pay for it. Yeah, it's human nature. If you want the deal, you don't want to lose. And yep. sometimes you don't make the greatest decisions. Dante, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, like I said, getting the professional property management in place is one of them. But the second one is definitely going big faster. So like I said, I started out with the singles, the duplexes. And I wish I just started with a 32 unit or the 44 unit or the 24 unit, just scaling faster. It just makes more sense to take on the economies of scale. Using cost segregations gives you more tax benefits. And there's plenty of other reasons, but going bigger, faster for sure. Dante, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, Dante, what's the best ever book you recently read? It wasn't super recent, but one I really enjoyed, and I think it would help out a lot of the listeners, is the Commercial Encyclopedia of Real Estate by Terry Painter. So that one's not really heard about too much, but it's like 450 pages, big yellow book. It's a very dry read, but it's got plenty of information in there. It tells you just about everything you need to know in commercial real estate. It's a very great tool to read. Very cool. It's one I have not heard of before, but I'll definitely check it out. Dante, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Educating without expecting in return. So I host a monthly meetup right now, and I also have a podcast, and that's all free content I put out there for people. Sometimes I get something in return, most definitely, but that's not the primary goal. It's to educate and kind of nurture people and, and help them become financially free through real estate. And for the best ever listeners, what is the name of your podcast? Let's make money make sense in real estate. Awesome. And Dante, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Yeah, Ash, I appreciate you letting me put my info in there. So you can reach us at our website at victorycapgroup.com. That's victorycapgroup.com. You can reach out to me personally via email, Dante at victorycapgroup. And then you also have all the social media handles at Dante Belmonte. Dante, I got to thank you again for your time today. Starting out as a broker and getting into multifamily syndication, being disciplined to only invest in the Charlotte MSA of North Carolina. A lot of great nuggets of advice. So thank you again for your time today. Awesome. Thank you, Ash. Really appreciate it. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.